0: Hello and welcome to Glitch Cube, we're a gaming podcast, and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. As always, I'm Christian. And I'm Chris. And welcome back, everybody. Thank you guys so much for joining us once again as we dive further into the world of games. So this week, we are going to be discussing a kind of hot topic right now, surprisingly in gaming. When we first Literally thought about... hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny, actually. <laughs> Uh, oh, go climate change. Uh, but <laughs> we are going to be discussing something that uh, surprisingly has popped up in gaming media a lot lately, Um, specifically over one title. But we it really wasn't anything that was discussed when we first thought about this idea. So that's what makes it rather interesting. Uh, but we're going to be talking about eco-terrorism in video games. Now, there aren't really like a lot of games out there that really discuss or put you in the in the shoes of an eco terrorist, but there are some titles out there that make you the one that's actually destroying the planet. <laughs> There's actually quite a few of those out there, surprisingly. Well, not really surprisingly, but eco terrorism and like rebelling against a shadowy corporation that is draining the lifeblood, or you know, just kind of wreaking havoc on the world around us, stealing resources, is not is nothing really new. It's something that's been used in media quite a bit right Uh, with the fear of nuclear energy or just other aspects of that side of or the side effects of those things you know the horror stories we hear of chernobyl and everything like it's all there to as like scare tactics against these kind of things but as far as games go it's not really like a hot topic that's usually touched on quite a bit, or at least it's not really put up in the forefront. But we found some games that actually put you in the shoes of an eco-terrorist or something that could symbolize that with one of the games that we'll be discussing later. But first, I wanted to talk a little bit about some outside media, right? One, maybe not games. Kind of give people a little bit of frame of reference about Where people's mindsets might be at, where their cultural references might be coming from, you know, those kind of things. So everybody, I'm sure, I would hope at least, because if you don't know what Godzilla is, then I don't know why you're listening to this, honestly. Just kidding. I mean, but like I have a weird like obsession slash love for Godzilla. Like I still have my Godzilla action figure from when I was a child. And it's literally on my desk right next to me. Like that thing is gone with me everywhere. And I will not get rid of this thing.
1: Is it the the Godzilla from like that? Two thousands movie, the, the skinny one with the weird spikes. Uh
0: hell no, that's not Godzilla at all, but <laughs> this thing is classic Godzilla. Hey,
1: hey, <laughs> hey. That was cool, man. It got me so the Taco Bell at the time. Oh, I remember my that god, you got those the cool. Commercials.
0: Cups. Oh yes. my god. No, nope, no. There's no it's not the Yoketo Taco Bell <laughs> Godzilla. <laughs> this is the legit Godzilla. I think I got this thing when I was like five years old and I still have it. And it's like in perfect condition still. It's amazing. Uh, maybe I'll post a picture of it on the socials because I think it's just so great. Uh, but, you know, Godzilla is known for, you know, being a crazy monster fighting other monsters. That's what it's been become. It's like the Rocky of giant monsters in a way, right? It's always going up against some crazy force that definitely should not be able to beat, sometimes gets their ass beat, comes back and just wins, you know, and that's just how Godzilla goes. But the original 1954 Godzilla was actually designed as a horror movie. It was there mm. to scare people. Like that was the whole premise behind Godzilla. And it makes sense, right? It came out nine years after the Hiroshima bombings. So people were still very afraid of nuclear energy and nuclear bombs in particular. Was still very fresh in their minds. So they made this movie in as a way to scare people from the effects of nuclear power and, uh, you know, just using it as a destructive force. And Godzilla was the personification of that bomb and used to scare the crap out of people and little mm. a couple of little fun facts uh Godzilla's original roar from nineteen fifty four was actually made by someone rubbing or wearing a rubber glove and rubbing it on a cello yeah uh, uh, the foley work is amazing It's so funny that the classic <laughs> sound comes from that and the Godzilla costume for every single movie has been remade, so every single movie it is a brand new costume that in the first one weighed so much i think it weighed almost 200 pounds and there was no air in it whatsoever that the actor playing godzilla passed out multiple times during the filming of that movie so it's kind of crazy to think about right but there's a museum out there that has every single godzilla costume from every movie and i think that's really cool to see but in the fact that they rebuilt it every time it's pretty amazing right but Nuclear energy is definitely something that can be pulled from as far as a reference for gaming. And we see it in one game in particular. And uh, it, to our opinion, I we both feel like this might be the best representation of eco-terrorism in video games. Or at least being a part of an eco-terrorist group. And that's Final Fantasy VII. Right? like you're actually in avalanche you get worked in with them they hire you as a mark for a job you know you're working with barrett tifa wedge all those guys you know and it's it, you're actually there to fight against shinra shinra and for those of you who don't know the story of final fantasy 7 i guess we can go over it real quick like <laughs> so, so they're draining uh, the lifeblood of the earth to power their machines and the lifeblood is called mako or and the Mako is being used for energy, for resources, but it's also being used to change humans. Uh, so there's, a, you know, there's a military faction, and there's some people in there that are called soldiers or soldier first class, and they actually uh, get, you know, exposed to high levels of Mako to make them basically superhumans. So it's mutating them to a certain extent, right? So it's kind of interesting that they're taking this idea where it's so clearly nuclear energy, right? Like that's the reactors even look that way. And what's funny is like Mako is liquid and one of the byproducts of um, radio or a lot of There's a lot of liquid in nuclear um, facilities things like that right it's a byproduct that they are able the only way to keep it safe basically is to keep it submerged underwater so because the water acts as a, a nice bubble and barrier from the radiation Uh, to a certain extent, right? Like still some leaks. But if we didn't have that, then the whole area would just be completely toxic. So I always thought that was really interesting, especially in the remake, when you really get to see that, like, you're surrounded by this liquid in the core, right? And it really mimics what a nuclear reactor kind of does. It's uh, pretty fascinating. And then with the mutations and everything that's there as well, it's all there, right? It's just not nuclear energy it's magic and lifeblood and earth and gaia and all this stuff right but it totally fits the bill right and i i can't think of a better example of actually being an eco terrorist in a video game than this one
1: yeah it's it's interesting when you look at it like for me when i was a kid and i played 7 i didn't really understand the climate side of it, right? Like, I was like, oh, this this gigantic city is bleeding a planet of its resources, but I didn't really think of any more of that, right? Mm -hmm. Because I was so used to stories and games like that where it's like, oh, you're just saving the world. Cool. And, you know, as I got older, I started looking back at it, and it's interesting. uh, When you look at the the ideas of barrett right um -hmm. i know in the original if i remember right barrett was said to be the leader of avalanche Mm -hmm. and that was the group that you were with and to an extent it kind of made sense but when you play the remake, and obviously the remake is different, and I know I've gone into this in past episodes where a lot of people say that the remake is reality and the original seven was a dream
0: kind of mm. thing, but... I- I've always heard that the remake was the original story. They just weren't able to actually do it on the PlayStation, so they had to dumb it down.
1: Yeah, I think the addition of that kind of Kingdom Hearts character kind of stuff in it, like... yeah weird It's kind of odd and it definitely feels like a product of their newer stuff but for the dimension stuff yeah i i get it and i think it's interesting when you look at the avalanche side of changes in the remake where basically barrett's group was kicked out of avalanche mm-hmm. because his views were too extreme right and so that's why, you know, his little Mary group is kind of out of the main avalanche. But supposedly, like, you know, they still have their contacts there. Because I know, like, when you're with Jess, she's like, oh, many have sacrificed their lives to get here. Right. So, or,
0: And they do the coordinated attack against Reactor 5, right? Like, they're yeah. saying, like, they have to do it today because there's multiple attacks going on, right? And they have to do this one.
1: Yeah, they in the remake, they try to make it sound like, you know, Barrett might be more of an extremist rather than just like a, we need to bring down this city kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they made an emphasis on the point where, you know, I mean, none of it's it's not too much of spoilers because it's pretty early in the game, all of this stuff with Midgard and all that. But, mm-hmm. you know, with the plate. And the reactor's blowing up. Like, people would be like, hey, like, what about the civilians? What about the people? And he's always like, the planet's more important. Like, mm-hmm. the planet comes first. And there will be sacrifices. And it's like, can you agree with that? Like, can you... If... You know, it's like the trolley problem, right? Like, is this
0: right. one, one for the many. fix?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you... <laughs> To an extent you can't really justify it, because think about the setting, right? Uh, for those of you who haven't played seven, basically Midgar is like um there's an upper plate, which is like the rich um and big corporations like Shinra and stuff like that. Like basically like your a your big city. And then the under plate is the slums. Mm-hmm poverty slums everything and basically like the night sky and the slums are just the lights reflecting off the bottom of the upper plate so if a plate comes crashing down you're gonna like, kill off a whole sector right so saying like oh i don't care about civilians <sighs> It's a bit much because think about it—you're wiping out a whole area, and you're from the lower plate, right? Right? Or at least
0: this—they give him him Marlene, this daughter that he obviously cares about, and he keeps saying this is for Marlene's future. But mm -hmm. if he drops a plate on Sector Seven, or uh, there's a coordinated attack from some other branch of Avalanche, like what is he going to do with that? Right? Yeah. So it's it's kind of it's it's a little like backwards, right? Like it almost feels like Marlene was an afterthought.
1: Kind of, I I think it was supposed to be like a reasoning and to make him feel a little more human mm-hmm. to an extent. Because I mean, he does sound pretty extreme. Like when you look at it quickly, like it's justified, right? You want to save the environment, you do anything for it. But when it starts getting to the point where it's like, oh, like tens of thousands could die. Mm -hmm. And when you look at how Avalanche is perceived in the games, it's... They're not liked by anybody. Really. You know, obviously Shinra and the corporations don't like them because they're destroying their profits, but even the people in the slums it's one it's just gonna cause the police and the armies to take more from the people in the slums that Mm -hmm. they don't already have and in a lot of ways it, it doesn't benefit them at all you know you could say yeah we're saving the world but what is saving the world going to do for someone that can't afford the next meal? Right. Right. Like, yeah, it's good to think about 20 years from now, but in a lot of ways, it's better to think about what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you could say this about stuff in real life too, obviously, but it's a hard thing to really pick. And When I was younger, I was full on like, yeah, like take down the big city and all that kind of stuff. But now as I'm like older and I've thought about it more, I'm like, there have to been better ways. right? And yeah, it's good to push your ideas, but not in such an extreme way where. The people that you want a better world for are going to die without even fighting for it, Mm -hmm. which sucks.
0: Yeah, it's 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 tricky. Like the the bear character has always been really interesting to me. I mean, he's just the screaming megaphone. But Mm -hmm. like now I'm older, it just makes you realize, you know, the ones yelling at the top of their lungs are not the ones that are being heard right? Like, sometimes it takes quiet action to actually get things done. And I think that's where Barrett gets it wrong, right? Like, he's always Mm -hmm. yelling, he's always screaming at things, he's showboating, all that stuff, right? And uh, there's that one part in there, too, that I found really interesting, uh, in the remake at least, uh, where they realize that they're on TV, like they're during, it's uh, during one of the attacks, I think it's on Reactor 5, actually, right before the Airbuster fight. Uh, mm-hmm. and, like, he realizes he's on light like, TV, so he, he decides, I'm going to make a speech and tell everyone what Shinra is doing and all this stuff, right? And, like, really make a big deal out of it. And then uh, Tifa and Cloud are like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, well, they need to know what's going on. I'm like, well, it, like, and uh, Cloud's reaction was perfect. He's like, you know, I bet you a thousand gil that they muted you. Right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and it just makes total sense. Like, of course, they're going to just cut the feed right or goes to commercial right like you just screaming at everything isn't going to do anything and just being angry about stuff all the time isn't going to actually do anything and it really does show right like because it almost sounds like they were just such like a ragtag group barely able to get by until they got this silent person who just is there to get a job done Right? Like, Cloud is very much... He's very stoic. And he's like, we have a job to do. Shut up and do it. Right? You want to get yeah. this done? Just do it. Get it done. Stop yelling about it and make something happen. Right? He's very much a man of action. And I, I think that's where... Like, obviously, like, Barrett has, like, his growing moments throughout it all. Right? He becomes more human as we watch or play the game. Especially, like, in the original. When he started learning about Dio and, you know, all that stuff. But it's it's very interesting at least to see that that side of it and they've done something really interesting with the remake to make you sympathize so much with the people in the slums by like allowing you to really traverse through them all and talk to everybody see how everyone's living and see the hardships and then you start realizing like we just bombed everything above you right like even the. there's a part where like i remember this part from the original where you're just going through some tunnel you walk on a robotic hand and it's like okay cool like whatever i'm cruising through but then like Aerith made a a comment whenever you start going through the tunnels in the remake oh yeah from the the last bombings this stuff fell from the plate and actually destroyed this tunnel connecting the sectors and it's like oh shit right like this is it's having some really negative effects and being that like flashy with these bombs and stuff might not be like the best way. Like, it might sound like you need immediate action right now, but if they had, you know, at least try to get everyone on the slums on board with the message, maybe it would have been done very differently, very quickly, and more efficiently, right? Instead of thinking that just going against everyone's dumb and they don't know what they're talking about and we're doing this for them and it's the greater good and all, right? Like there's a, there's definitely some interesting uh like conversation thing or starters that are happening in this game. And there's a lot more depth than I remember when I played the original Final Fantasy Seven.
1: Another thing too that I didn't know until way later was around that time in the late 80s, mid 90s, japan there was a lot of controversy with using nuclear energy Mm -hmm. and the problems that arise from it and everything and when you look at how the energy is portrayed in seven it's very very similar to nuclear energy Mm -hmm. and the way that you know it's i mean obviously nuclear energy doesn't bleed our planet right unless it you know that goes go wrong yeah but yeah in a lot of ways though like is it is it mako or macio like mako mako
0: that's how they say um, it in the remake at least
1: oh yeah it you know it if you're in the stream it it mutates you mm-hmm. or it mutates things in general like it it has a lot of weird properties and uh, a materia right like think mm-hmm. about When I think about them, I think how that little, like, nuclear bar in The Simpsons, that Homer, like, fiddles with that little green bar. Yeah. To me, that's a materia, in a sense of, like, that's the same kind of thing. Well, materia
0: is condensed Mako energy, right?
1: Yeah. When an atomic bomb is that. (laughs) It's like a fusion bomb. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's, after seeing it that way... A lot of things in that game changed for me because I was like, oh, that is kind of relatable in a lot of ways that I didn't really think about. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, me, this could be something totally different, but it's like when it comes to these kind of games, you, when, especially when there's like politics in it, it's easy to forget like where a game is made. Mm-hmm you know reflects that country or areas history and i never thought about that for a long time you know until i kind of became an adult and looked at it with grown-up eyes and when you kind of look that way at other games from that era in the past and even now it it really changes things and it's I feel like it's kind of hard because at least for us in the US where game media is, you know, the Western dominant side of it is pretty strong where, you know, I don't want to get too much into this, but uh, that's a big complaint with a lot of people is that the American perspective kind of overtakes a lot of that perspective from other countries and other eras. You know, like a yeah. lot of people think like, "Oh, the eighties you know game market crashed, it almost ended, but when you look at everywhere outside America, it was doing it was great. thriving, yeah, yeah, and you know when it comes to a lot of these older games with these kind of heavy stories, we don't think about it because we never really." I feel like those topics weren't really relevant or big mm-hmm. around that time in the States. So it, it didn't click, but you know, it's, it's interesting when you put like a worldwide perspective on a lot of these stories and themes and it kind of changes things a little bit and kind of adds more. I don't, I'm trying to not humanity to it, but it adds like a, a relative experience, which is kind of cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And one final thing about Final Fantasy VII, I think is really interesting that the first materia that you get, the summoning materia, is Ifrit, right? And his main move is Hellfire, which Mm. is literally dropping a massive bomb on your enemies. (laughs) And it's a huge mushroom cloud like explosion, right? Like, that's a little on the nose, right? So, like, they obviously knew where their references were coming from. Us as kids, that went right over our heads, right? But now, like being yep. able to look back at it as an adult and analyze it, like you said, it's it's these little tiny nuances and choices. Somebody made that choice, right, to animate it that way, to call it Hellfire, to give you this insane fire demon, like as your first summoning materia. It, it's it's you know it it's almost too perfect that way. So it, it just totally makes sense that that's there. <laughs> it's kind of funny actually, but. <sighs> Anyway, now there's a couple other games that we wanted to talk about today, you know, and while Final Fantasy 7 might be one of the best ways to show eco-terrorism, it's not the only one that we have out there. Uh, there's another smaller game that came out in, uh, I guess you could say smallish, I don't know, it came out in 2021 and it feels like this game almost got completely looked over. And I kind of get why, looking at it, right? (laughs) But it's called Werewolf the Apocalypse Earthblood. Long old name. Could have just called it Werewolf. Just (laughs) words. Yeah, it's just all words that don't really have any meaning together. But like, where Final Fantasy VII went a very nuanced way of doing this, this is very much like smack you in the face with (laughs) eco-terrorism, right? Like, this is so Western. And I think this is exactly what you were just talking about, where – Like, there's so many cultural references that are put in these other titles that make them interesting. They make them topical and last the test of time, right? Whereas a game like this, that is really just very blunt with its message, isn't going to carry as much weight. And then when you start hearing about the story, it's like, uh, what? (laughs) Like, it's a little kind of goofy, right? Like, the whole point of this is that you're playing as, uh, I believe his name is Callan. So Callan is a member of or he's a proud warrior of the Fiana tribe, right, and uh he's a white guy uh <laughs> and so cultural appropriation is pretty heavy in this game, it feels like uh but so uh, what was it oh kahal that's his name um due to being excessively angry, so thank God a war style right. Uh, He chose to live a life of exile, but then uh, he goes searching for his missing daughter when he finds out that she goes missing, uh, very much Taken style, and then comes back to his old tribe to try and find her. Well, here's the kicker, right? There is an evil corporation uh, that is ravaging the earth, and the corporation's name is actually called Pentex, so, you know, pentagrams, everything like everything about this is like very much like really like hitting the fucking ha- nail with a hammer. Right. Like, do you get it? Mm-hmm. Do you get it? Right. Like, it's pretty ridiculous. But so Pentax is going through and <laughs> ravaging the Earth uh, and actually being led by this cosmic force that's called Worm. Uh, and Worm is a, the like god of basically decay and destruction when you're. In this special, I haven't even told you the, like, the ultimate part of it. I mean, obviously, it's in the title, Werewolf. <laughs> but, like, so, yeah, by the way, you're a werewolf in this game. <laughs> so your tribe is the, a bunch of werewolves, right? That's kind of the, the whole vibe of it. And when you're in your wolf or werewolf form, because there's three different forms in this game, uh, you actually see Worm. Like, you get to see this cosmic force. And so, like, there's soldiers that are just walking around on these power plants that you're going through and trying to kill. And while you're a human, they just look like people. But then while you're a werewolf, you can see some of them look kind of like Ouroboros and Resident Evil 4, right? Like, they're, like, weirdly mutated. There's a lot of weird corruption and just kind of, like, nasty decay all over the place. So that's like the whole point of this game. It, it just becomes you with your tribe fighting against this evil corporation while searching for your daughter uh, as they continue to ravage the planet. Now, yes, this is a game about eco-terrorism, but I, I think the the lack of subtlety <laughs> really hurts this game, right? The fact that it's so on the nose, so in your face with it, it almost makes it like it it makes it really difficult to deal with. And I think it's really funny that, like, a game like this, where it's so blatant that you are an eco-terrorist, that even in, like, a lot of the synopsis, a lot of the descriptions of this game, even descriptions written by the game creators, you are called out as an eco-terrorist. Like, that is the whole point of this game itself, right? But yet, this is not one that is on the tongues of our government, right? And because a lot of times media does get blamed for sparking interest in eco-terrorism, uh, in just terrorism in general, and violence. Like, all the time, uh, medias, like video games, music, movies, get blamed for this kind of stuff. But the ones that are kind of hitting the nail on the head a little too hard, they're kind of just, like, looked at like whatever. It's just a video game. Now, on the flip side of this game, one that is... Subtle-ish, I guess, <laughs> but very lighthearted in its message. I would say, like the gameplay really is not. It, it's it's basically a a student project, right? But for some reason, it has got so much traction despite not being blatantly out there with the message of calling yourself an actual eco terrorist against these government or against uh, government facilities. Is Thunderbird Strike? So when I first heard about this game, it I was like, what is this? Like, why does this keep coming up? And then I started watching some gameplay footage, and I have to ask myself once again, what is this? <laughs> like, what is going on? And it's, it is a student project, right? Like, that's really what it is. It's a side-scrolling game. It's very simple mechanics. It kind of looks like something I would make with the six to nine-year-olds at work. <laughs> Not going to lie, right? And it's you're literally the mythical Thunderbird. Uh, and you're going through a side-scroller style, zapping cranes and bulldozers and pipelines. Well, not really, like parts of a pipeline, and just going through and destroying that. And at the same time, if there's skeletons of animals, you can zap those to resurrect them, bring them back to life, and then they run off the screen, right? But that's really all the game is. Like, the gameplay is super, super simplistic. There's not much to it. But for some reason, this game has gotten so much traction and so much buzz in the media lately that, you know, lobbyists and Republican senators are actually like calling this game out and trying to get an investigation on the people who funded this game uh, for promoting ego terrorism, which I think is just insane. Right. Like, one that didn't blatantly come out as saying, like, oh, yeah, like, we're eco-terrorists, like, right, like, werewolf does. Uh, yet this this game is, like, hated on by so many people. And there's actually, um, so Senator David Osmek came out and saying, like, this literally promotes eco-terrorism. And that the $3,290 in state funding provided by the Arrowhead Regional Arts Council in Duluth needs to be investigated. Like, they gave them $3,290 and you want to investigate them because they think that they're promoting ecoterrorism against the pipelines. Like, come on, man. Right. Like, <laughs> like calm down. <laughs> right. Like, it's just kind of ridiculous. And even um, this guy, Toby Mack, who's the president of the um, uh, Energy Equipment and Infra- Infrastructure Alliance, uh, a Washington, D.C. based energy organization. Uh, that advocates for the pipelines specifically, Uh, he mentions that this game was specifically designed to encourage eco-terrorism. So they're trying to blame and say that this game was designed to get people to actually go against the pipeline and go out and encourage them to blow up the pipeline themselves, right? And it's like, I don't know about that, right? Like, this is kind of ridiculous that. It's it's out there, like they're just using mythical creatures from and like fighting against the earth, right, and against a lot of things that are happening out there. Is this is not promoting eco terrorism, but for some reason this game gets a lot more buzz than games that blatantly say they are eco terrorists, right? Like I, I don't get it. Like what what's going on with this world? It's just going crazy.
1: <laughs> it. So I never knew this game existed until like you brought it up, right, and. I was looking into it and hearing that it was like controversial and criticized and I'm just like uh, like where did they find this game right like the people complaining about like the eco-terrorism side of it it's like the was this did this game get big and I've never heard about it like I'm I feel like I'm pretty in touch with games coming out mm-hmm. and it's like I'd never heard about this, especially when it comes to like this kind of subject. I usually like hearing about this stuff, but it's like, I, yeah, it's a weird hill to die on for like the people complaining about this because it's like the game doesn't. It, it's not like it's going like, to give you ideas to like, like you said, blow up a pipeline or something. I don't know.
0: Yeah, you're it's not going like, to magically turn into a bird and start zapping things, right? Like. I, I, it's just so kind of bizarre that this is it. It's so like the, a random indie game, right? That uh, you'd be surprised that it even gets any attention. But then you That's
1: have an Itchio game of all it, things, too. Right?
0: Like, like, how did this get in front of the government? <laughs> Like, who dug for this game to really find this thing? Like, it just makes no sense where we have AAA games or giant titles that are actually talking about the negative effects, but in a more subtle, nuanced way. And it's like, yeah, it's OK. It's a video game. Right. But this one, they really took it personally. And uh, like it's kind of crazy that like how personal they took it, where they're trying to investigate the the schools and the, the arts, uh, the cultural arts society that funded this and like, right. Like it's really bizarre. I I just don't understand this one.
1: Yeah. Especially when like, there's a lot of other games with controversial topics that kind of get like, I don't know, not pushed under the rug, but it's just interesting how this one was picked out of a sea of other games. Yeah. You know. All in all, talking about the subject, it really brought up an idea that I've been kind of wanting to get into for a while, and I think piggybacking off of this for next week's episode, uh, taking a look at villains that have great ideas but bad solutions or. Not morally correct solutions, right? Mm-hmm. Think, think, Thanos, right? Great ideas to an extent, but eradicating everybody—like, I don't think that's really a good thing. Yeah, no. Um, possibly also looking into, you know, your character, the hero that might not have the best intentions, right? So. Really, there's going to be some surprises thrown in, or at least I was surprised by one or two of these that I had kind of found in my research for this episode, which I felt like didn't fit into it. So I'm actually uh, pretty excited about next week's episode.
0: Yeah, definitely sounds fun. Excited for that one. But anyway, that's going to do it for us this week. Hope you guys enjoy this little conversation into eco-terrorism and how video games are going to get you to go out there and blow up pipelines and attack the government because they're sucking the lifeblood out of our planet, damn it. Uh, No, they're they're not going to make us do that, right? Video games don't promote violence. I feel like we've proven that time and time again in, in a multitude of episodes. But yeah, anyway, we'll talk to you guys next week with some more games, but until then, bye for now.